you here this evening. I'm going to ask uh, Mayor Pro Tem, Brad McGurr, to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. Mm -hmm. you please rise, place your hand over your heart, and recite the Pledge of Allegiance along with me. I pledge allegiance, pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Hello, Ms. Diaz. May I please have a roll call? Mayor Gamble. Here. Mayor Pro Tem McGurr. Here. Councilmember Beal. Here. Councilmember Figueroa. Councilmember Holloway. Here. Item number one, schedule of future events. Ms. City Manager. Thank you very much, Madam Mayor, members of the City Council. Uh, we would like to announce two events. The first is an e-bike safety course, which will be held on Saturday, March 16th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., located at the Bell Tower Regional Community Center. And then next, we have the very popular electronic waste disposal and document shredding event, which will occur on Saturday, March 30th from 8 a.m. until 12 noon, and that is located at Applied Medical's R100 building parking lot. And information on both of those events may be found on our city website. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much. Turning now to council member comments and reports, I'll start to my left. Hello, council member Holloway. I Do you have, have any have... comment or report this evening? Not yet. Maybe later. Okay, great. Thank you. Councilmember Beal. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, this is just any comments that you might have. Nothing tonight. Okay, great. Mayor Pro Tem McGurr. No, nothing tonight. Thank you. Great. And so I'm working with two hands. Um, the committee assignment reports. I'll come back to you, Councilmember Beal. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I believe I gave a scintillating uh, summary of our February 8th meeting at our last city council meeting. So I'm going to spare you that same report and have no report tonight. Thank you. I was, we were going to try to reconstitute the video of swearing in the urban search and rescue dogs, uh, but we were having some tough, we're continuing to have technical difficulties, so I apologize. Moving on to item number three, presentations and proclamations. This is one of our favorite things to do. So I'm going to ask the mayor pro tem to join me on the floor. And we have some very impressive young people to uh, present to you this evening. Thank you. This evening, it gives us great pleasure to invite forward the principals uh, and staff from the Cielo Vista Elementary School, Principal Dr. Francis Hansel, and staff members, we'd love to see you up here. Yes. Well, 
you're, you're just smiling. You're sure a bunch of proud folks, and we are too. So tonight we're pleased to recognize the following students uh, from Cielo Vista Elementary School. Please come forward as I call your name, Alice Alonso and Branda Racinos. Alice, I'm going to talk about Alice first. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, thanks. Is it exciting to be here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm very excited about this. Alice, so I'm going to read. I'm going to talk about you to everybody. Okay. Okay. Is this your family? And over there. Oh, good. We're going to step forward so everyone can see you. Okay. Sure. My pleasure. Right. Alice Alonso is a sixth grade student and has been selected for recognition by the staff at Cielo Vista Elementary School. Alice is a young lady who makes outstanding contributions to Cielo Vista's community. Alice, Alice exhibits kindness and empathy toward her peers while maintaining a positive attitude that's contagious to all around her, creating a welcoming and inclusive atmosphere for all. Alice Alonso's reclassification and mastery of the English language is a testament to her dedication and hard work, inspiring others to strive for success. Alice's exemplary behavior and attitude serves as a model for her peers. You know, well, I'm getting older. You, I might need you to come up here and replace me someday soon. <laughs> right? Yeah. And let's see. Oh, there's so many more good things. So, Alice, out of all the students uh, at Cielo Vista, uh, your uh, principals and your teachers selected two students, and you were one of them. So my job is on behalf of the city council, my colleagues, and the city staff, and the 50,000 people that live in Rancho Santa Margarita, we are all congratulating you today. This is Alice's day, and we're extending our congratulations to you. So, Alice, in addition to a certificate from the city, if you want to take this off. Yeah. So, do you ever hear, like, the Academy, the actors and actresses that go to the Academy Awards get a bag full of cool stuff? Yeah. It's called swag. So, this is wall swag. So, this is all sorts of accolades for you from elected people. So, this is one from the city of Rancho Santa Margarita. And this one is from Kate Sanchez. Ms. Sanchez is our assemblywoman from the 71st District, and she's prepared a beautiful certificate of recognition for you, Alice, and so we're very proud of you. And so we're going to have you stand right here for a second, and we're going to have some remarks. Well, our future's in good hands. Um, I think tomorrow's leaders are right up here, and as you said, yes. We're very proud to have wonderful second language learners that are an asset to our school, and they work very, very hard. They're doing everything in two languages, and we're very, very, very proud. Go Hawks! 
um, I have the pleasure of having Alice as my student, and I am so grateful for the contagious positivity that Alice shines in our classroom. Um, she is always the first one to want to hold the door for everyone or say good morning to everyone. She even just wants to say little things that will spark joy in your life. And as a teacher, those are those moments that you need just to continue. And again, she just shines every single day. And her success is an inspiration to everyone around her. Oh, yes, and I'm Big Sullivan. Hello. <laughs> yes. I just, this mo these moments is make me so proud to be working at Cielo Vista. So, because this is not only for, because the school, but the parents and the whole community. And it's very important to do that for the kids, for, for us to inspire them to be a better human beings. Thank you. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, she wants me to do it in Spanish for the parents. <laughs> so, yo le quiero decir a los padres que, que, que lo que esto, esto que pasó esta noche no solamente es de la escuela, sino de ustedes también. Perdone, me pongo muy nerviosa de hablar. I'm sorry, I'm very nervous when I speak to the public, but, I, but I'm so proud. Estoy muy orgullosa de sus hijos, que sigan así, que ellos van a ser la, el, el futuro de mañana. Entonces, gracias por estar aquí, gracias por apoyarnos y gracias por apoyarlos a ellos. Thank you. Outstanding. You bring joy to everybody, and that's so important. You should come visit us here every uh, two Wednesdays a month. On the <laughs> Thank you so much, Alice. And so your parents are really proud. Okay. And so I'm going to bring up your colleague at school. My goodness. And so I'm going to have you. I'm so sorry. The older I get, the bigger the font gets. Brandon, I'm going to have you step forward. How are you doing? I'm good. Hi, I'm ha so happy to have you here. Brandon, where's your family? Okay, we're going to bring you right here because they want to see you for this. This is a big deal. We're proud of you. Hey, Brandon, you're a sixth grade student, and you've been selected for recognition by the staff and the principal at Cielo Vista Elementary School. We're really happy to have you here tonight. Brandon stands as a shining example of diligence and commitment, consistently embodying the values of hard work through his academic journey. Brandon's dedication is evident in his successful reclassification, underscoring his proficiency in both language arts and overall English language development. Brandon's remarkable progress in his academic subjects reflect not only your personal growth, but also his capacity to inspire and collaborate with others, fostering a supportive and inclusive learning environment. Did you ever hear the phrase that a rising tide lifts all boats? No, yeah. So what happens is when you're inspirational and you do well and you're collaborative, you make everybody around you do well. So that's really a great, uh, great skill and talent that you have. And thank you. Beyond your academic achievements, Brandon, you are a celebrated model class citizen embodying qualities of leadership, responsibility, and positive influence within the school community. See, you're lifting everybody up. That's great. So now, therefore, my job as the mayor of the city is to congratulate you on behalf of my colleagues on the city council, all 50,000 residents. It's Brandon's day today. And so... 
I don't know if that means you get to eat ice cream in bed or anything like that. I don't make those rules. That's mom and dad rules, and I don't get in there. But we're so proud of you, Brandon, and we really appreciate your wonderful accomplishments and your motivation to the other students. Congratulations so, to you so much. We're proud of you. Okay. Thanks. I'm going to have you step back here. And then the folk ladies over here are going to say nice things about you. Okay? Here we go. Brandon told me he was very nervous. I said, you don't have to be. We're here to celebrate you. So he looks, yes, right. He looks a little bit more relaxed. And he's such a humble student. He's a great citizen. Um, just can't say enough about um, Brandon and his family. And they wonderful salads at Wendy's. <laughs> but, yeah, um, it's just really nice to see him relaxed and taking it all in and keep going. Shoot for the stars, Brandon. So Brandon is not in my class. He's in the class next door. But Ms. Thompson and I have a habit of always switching and checking in and always going around. And Brandon is a kid that is always wanting to involve and include the people around him um, with his leadership and encouragement. And in fact, we do fun things like spirit days. We can earn them. Um, but Brandon not only earned one for his class, but he wanted to go the next step and invite another class and make our day. So we got to be in community with one another and do that fun, um, just bright thing to do. And of course, Brandon, being the leader that he is, always is able to come to the classroom, give the directions, very clear speaking, um, but also very inclusive to everyone, wanting to make sure each person gets to participate and not feel left out um, if they don't have the opportunity to go get something for them. Um, he was brainstorming with so many people, and I, that was just like a recent memory that I am just so love getting to know and see. So thank you, Brandon. And if I can just have Martha just say some of that in Spanish so that our, our parents can hear it in their home language. Thank you. Come with me. Right. I'm from the government. I'm here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're so they want to hear from you. Okay. What'd you say? Yeah. What did you say? Okay. okay. Señora, lo que estaban diciendo a su hijo que yo estaba muy, muy um, orgullosa de haber tenido a sus que todos los ciudadanos de esta del pueblo de Rancho Santa Margarita están uh, complacidos de darle ese premio y que todos están felices por lo que él ha hecho en su escuela. Boy, am I glad you said that. Thank you. So now I'm going to have you two gorgeous children stand right here, and I'm going to have all you ladies gather around them. We're going to take some pictures, and you know what your parents want to see? They want to see that. Right? Yes. Beautiful. Right. Okay. And families, you can feel free to come forward and take pictures. Don't be shy. This could be like a mic drop moment, right? Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.
Thank you so much. One more hand for these two great kids. Future city council members. Thank you so much. You, go, you guys go have a nice night, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. You can sit down. Okay. Yes. You're, you're, oh, you, you're excused. That's what I should say. That's teacher language, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, boy. We have an embarrassment of riches tonight. Uh, it is my pleasure, our pleasure, to invite the following staff forward from Las Flores K-8 School, Principal Holly Wiseman, and staff members. Please step forward. No, I'm doing the kindergarten class. Are you really? I love kindergarten. Yeah. We're going to fight over who's going to read to the kindergartners. Okay. Hi, how are you? It's nice to see you again. I'm great. And, and they don't want to hear from him. Yeah, I know. I'm only kidding. I know. Actually, there's, we can. Well, that was educational. Yes. Tonight, we're so pleased to recognize the following students. Please come forward as your name is called. Sophia Lee and Austin Zhao. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. Wonderful to have you here. Hi, Austin. Wow. So I'm pretty excited to have you both here. Lovely. So, Sophia, where's your parents? Is that your dad right there? That's my mom. So that's your, we're going to step over here. So they can see you, because they don't want to see that big podium. Right. It's just like what my parents would have done decades and decades ago, trust me. Sophia Lee is an eighth grade student and has been selected for recognition by the staff at Las Flores K-8 School. Sophia, the staff describes you as an intuitive student who advocates for herself. Sophia's mathematics teacher has said she is the most interested and curious student. She makes it feel like I'm exploring math with her. I bet that's fun for her, and she appreciates that. Sophia Lee's questions are deep and thoughtful, challenging her teachers. So eighth grade, huh? Yep. Well, my job is to tell you how proud we are at the city for all your accomplishments and for your wonderful studies and being a great student at Las Flores. So my job on behalf of 50,000 people is to make this Sophia's day. Thank and you. You, guys, you can ask your mom and dad what that means. But um, I want to tell you that you're, you're our next generation and we're so proud. And so it's my job to congratulate you and tell you how proud we are of your outstanding achievement. Congratulations, Sophia. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But wait, so in addition to the city certificate, wall swag, we learned, we have a certificate from 71st Assembly member Kate Sanchez from Sacramento. And Ms. Sanchez wanted you to know how proud she is of you. She can't be here tonight, but we thank her very much for this acknowledgement. Congratulations, thank Sophia. You. We're really proud. Thanks. Okay, we'll have you stand back here. Hi there, how you doing? Good. Yeah, how's your day? I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one award after the other, I know. 
Austin, so where's your family? Uh, my dad is right there. Okay, we're going to have you right here. Okay. I had a busy day, too. I got a lot done, though, which is kind of always good. Austin Zhao is an eighth-grade student and has been selected for recognition by the staff at Las Flores K-8 School. Austin is an exemplary student who learns new concepts quickly and is a positive presence in the class. Austin is a member of Las Flores student government, serving as the ASB president this year. Congratulations. Yes. Leadership is tough. Yep, yeah. It is. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Austin is the winner of the Patriots Pen Award, a youth essay contest by the Veterans of Foreign Wars, which encourages young minds to examine America's history, along with her own experience in modern American society, by drafting a 300 to 400 word essay expressing their views based on a patriotic theme. That's a wonderful program. My dad was part of setting it up many years ago. Congratulations. Yeah. So my job, Austin, is to tell you how darn proud we are of you at the city. And Las Flores picked only two students out of all the students that attend that school. So this is a big deal. So in addition to the certificate from the city, our 71st Assembly member, uh, Kate Sanchez, sent along a special certificate from you from Sacramento uh, for being recognized for your outstanding work. Austin, we're so proud of you. So on behalf of the 50,000 residents of Rancho Santa Margarita, my city council colleagues and our staff, we congratulate you for your outstanding achievements. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, do you ever meet people in your life, and when you hear about all the things they've accomplished, it really makes you um, question whether or not you've lived up to your own potential? <laughs> so these two eighth graders cause me to reflect on my own life and think, I could have tried harder. Like, they are just so amazing. And when I um, sent my query out to our staff to ask if there were any two students that stood out to them, um, that should be honored on an evening like this. The number of responses that I got specifically for these two students was overwhelming. I mean, this is like, this is what they all wrote about them. And normally when I come to these, I really wing it and, um, you know, can kind of go off the cuff. But these kids have accomplished so much that I didn't really want to miss anything. I think that, Mayor, you have done a fabulous job encompassing some of the feedback that we gave. But I did want to make sure that um, I one of the things that I wanted to share about Sophia is that um, Mrs. Turner, her science teacher, said that she currently has borrowed multiple science books from the library, and she's studying higher-level biology on her own in order to prepare, prepare herself for the rigors of a demanding honor schedule in high school. I mean, th these are kids that truly reach for the stars. Um, I also wanted to make sure that I shared with her that um, Mr. Escaro, her music teacher, says that she's a positive role model as their concert master in string ensemble, and he understands that she stays very involved with academics and music in other mediums during her off time. So those are just a few of the things that have some of the teachers had to say about Sophia. And then regarding Austin, I have a personal story that I wanted to share. 
So one of the things, um, I have been the principal at Las Flores for eight years, but this is the first year, year nine, that we are a K-8. And so I have never um, been an administrator over middle schoolers before. And um, to say it's been a culture shock is mild, um, but it's been such a blessing and I'm so grateful. But one of the things that we decided to try to do this year as, um, um, as, we're, as I'm venturing into middle school is to implement something called Bears in Good Standing because we want to celebrate and acknowledge our kids who are um, getting their work done, who don't have any missing assignments. And like any new program, it came with some really, um, some pretty significant hiccups. And a lot of people would just grumble and complain and say nothing. However, my friend Austin took the time to craft a very well-put email to let me know, give me some feedback. He gave me some very, and it was all so constructive and so appreciated because we were able to go back and make some changes to this new program, thanks to Austin taking the initiative to email me and say, hey, Mrs. Wiseman, didn't know if you were aware that this is part of the fallout from, from your new project. Um, so maybe we could make some changes. And so we have been working on making it change and making it better for the students, but it all started with Austin. So I appreciate these two so much and I'm so, thankful to be able to lead them through their eighth grade year. So eighth grade, I'm wondering, do you have a thought about what you would each like to do after you're finished school? Not really. That's okay. <laughs> well, um, I would like to get a bachelor degree um, of some sort in STEM and then maybe go on to earn a MBA. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. And they are Wow. Wow. So will you come back, visit us, maybe grow up, you know, a little bit more and, and you know, run for council. We're getting older. <laughs> uh, we love smart people here. And so I'm going to have you uh, turn the certificate here and there. And we'll invite your parents to come forward. Feel free to take a picture. Wonderful. Children, so much accomplished. Now's the time that we move on to e-comments and public comment. I have an e-comment uh, regarding the Boys and Girls Club from Brianne Boyle, one from Kelly Dolan, and one from Linda uh, regarding the Boys and Girls Club. This is your time, and if you're part of the student recognition program, you're welcome to leave now, the, the, or, or stay. Uh, totally up to you. This is uh, your time to address the City Council on any matter not listed on this agenda, 
which is within the subject matter jurisdiction of the City Council. Public comments are limited to three minutes per person and a time limit of 15 minutes for this segment of the public comments portion of the agenda. And for the purposes of clarification, uh, Mr. Uh, City Attorney, uh, Council can ask clarifying questions of staff, I believe, and clarifying questions from the speakers, and I'd like you to opine on that, please. Sure. Uh, good evening, Mayor, members of City Council. So with respect to non-agendized matters, such as public comments, state law does authorize City Council members to briefly respond to statements made or ask clarifying questions or make a brief announcement or make a brief report about their own activities or provide a reference to staff or other resources for factual information. And that's taken straight out of the Brown Act. Great. Thank you very much. Our first speaker tonight is... Alan, Dr. Alan Schulman. Hi. Hello, Dr. Schulman. How are you? Good. Doing decently well. Good. Uh, thank you. Members of council, um, Dr. Schulman, address confidential under California Government Code 6205 to 6217. I come tonight to address the city council regarding the very topic that is most likely um, resonating throughout the city right now, and that is the conversion of a boys and girls club location to a museum. I do understand that we do want to preserve history throughout our time and make sure that it, it plays an important part in the development of our children. At the same time, we want to make sure our children also have programs available to them in order to nurture them and make them better citizens and productive citizens of our society. It is a fine balance that this council has to find in order to make sure that that happens. As you guys know, I've, I've been involved in scouting for the last 20 years. We have other scouting leaders here too. And I don't want to take up all the time because I know it is limited to 15 minutes. But as we revisit this topic eventually in the near future, as we go through the CIP process with this as well, I just want to make sure that the council is very aware that um, the need for activities for our youth is so important to our city. We recognized here this, this evening uh, young adults getting recognized by the city. Those young adults need programs to keep them actively involved in civic organizations such as Scouting and Boys and Girls Club. I yield my time. Thank you. Our next speaker is Vanessa, no last name. Good evening, welcome. Good evening, I'm sorry, I'm very nervous. I never talk in, like, in public. <laughs> and the reason that I'm here tonight is because my both kids go to Boys and Girls Club. <laughs> They're, when they started years ago, my kids were behind reading. This program is teaching them how to read, how to like, you know, like be more like in leadership, um, my daughter is learning how to play ukulele. My kids, I ask them like tonight, um, what do you like about Boys and Girls Club? And my both kids say, Mom, one of the things that I like is I make friends. I meet people that they're in different schools. We play together. Like we do a lot of stuff. They, they're learning how to play chess, pool, um, foot, flag football, soccer. Mm -hmm. And my daughter likes to play with their friends too. When I got the letter, I was really in shock, and you know, like, they need this. I bought a house here like 14 years ago because I told my husband when I'm gonna raise my kids here because it was a nice family setting. And now it's like, if they close this, I cannot work. I cannot work, and it's like, you know, like I have to take care of my two kids. 
and it's really, you know, like something that it will affect me and affect like, you know, my kids. I don't want my kids to be in the computer. I don't want to be my kids to be in the iPad or the Xbox. I like to, to be free playing outside. Like, you know, like when we were little, we didn't have that and we, we raised good. So please, can you put the Boys and Girls Club on the agenda so we can talk more about it? Thank Vanessa, you. Vanessa, thank you for your comments. Would you please fill out your last name? Alonso. And no, I mean, I'm going to have you do it. And let me know what school your children go to. Okay. Uh, Just, I'll, I don't want you to have to say it out loud. I'm going to give this to the clerk and give, give us a little more information. Okay. Thank you so much. But if, if you wish. Okay. Our next speaker is Janice, Janet Henry. Good evening Good to evening. all of you. Welcome. And um, well, I guess I'll start with saying that I've been a resident for 32 years now, and I watched some of you create our city here, and that was a lot of work, and very thankful that you were able to do that. And I have emailed all of you here. I did hear back from uh, Anne. I did not hear back from any of you, and I also sent in. Um, some information last week for the city council. So the other thing that we're very fortuitous tonight is we all see how we're all, everybody in this room is so committed to the youth. And we have seen when we commit to our youth what we, what we create and what they create and how fabulous it is that as a community that we care about the youth. And to that end, then, we have a very, very important issue that we have no idea what your ideas are. And that's why we want to communicate. That's, and without communication, there's all kinds of rumors that are going on. There's all kinds of finger-pointing and this and that. And I think we're probably a lot on the same page where we want these kids to be in an enriching, safe place so that many of them can stand before you in a few years and receive all of these accolades. That's why we need this topic on the agenda for communication's sake, because you can talk about it. And then, uh, and then I think Anne wanted me to go set up a meeting with you, Carol, and with uh, Jennifer, but that's not how we do business. You, we do business as a community so that we can all talk about it. So, you know, in the interest of the community, I would ask that you put it on the agenda so that you can hear what our thoughts are. We can hear what your thoughts are. And then work together to actually get a plan that will work all of you. Because you've got an idea for a museum and I'm not saying don't have a museum. I live a couple, I live actually uh, not too far from uh, Figueroa and Beale. Right down there, there's a, uh, an, ado an adobe right there. So we live, we live history right here. So we're not saying don't do history, don't do a museum. But let's work together and solve this so we can have that and we can have the Boys and Girls Club and have a safe place for these wonderful students and, and young people that are sitting behind us. So please consider that. Thank you. Thank you. 
Our next speaker is Patty Ebel. Hi, Patty. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you. Good. Welcome. Good evening, City Council and staff. My name is Patty Ebel, and I'm just here to ask that you put the non-renewal non-renewal of the Boys and Girls Club lease on the agenda so that the community can discuss why this is happening. I also want to um, register my disappointment that we could not meet with Mayor and Jennifer Cervantes yesterday because they didn't want to talk to more than one person. Um, please put that on the, the agenda. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Siebel. Well, this might be a good time to ask the city manager to uh, opine on yesterday's uh, meeting. Uh, thank you, Mayor Gamble. Uh, yesterday, a meeting was set up between a resident and uh, the mayor and myself, and we were uh, available and willing to meet, and unfortunately, uh, we're not prepared for a group meeting, a community discussion on that, and uh, the meeting was cut short by the uh, participant. Thank you. Certainly. The uh, resident actually reached out to us for a phone call, and so we said, why don't we all meet together, the three of us. Um, we had staff extend the invitation to the resident, and she confirmed her uh, attendance, never mentioned to us there would be uh, multiple people. So I'd like to add that clarification to Ms. Ebel's comments. She may not be aware of what transpired. Uh, my next speaker is Laura Lunn. Good evening, Ms. Lunn. Hi, good evening. Hi, good evening. Sorry, let me bring up my notes real quick. Pardon me. Where is it? There we go. Okay, um, I've not appeared before this council before. I've appeared before the Mission Viejo City Council. I've recently moved to the Cortesia Apartments. Mm -hmm. I um, live in Rancho Santa Margarita, therefore, and I work in, in uh, Saddleback Valley Unified School District in transportation. And I have been a mom and a grandmother, so I just wanted to put my two cents mm -hmm. in, is that um, as soon as I heard about this and know it's my community, I know how much people depend on reliable, safe, affordable child care. And so I just wanted to say um, it definitely deserves a public hearing. And uh, I certainly showed up and took my time. I've been up since, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh, oh, so. do oh dark 30, right? Yeah. <laughs> Quite early to drive kids to school. So I just really hope the council will consider putting this on the agenda so that it can be given the proper attention. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Ali Hematabadi. And please, I apologize if I've uh, messed up your name. Hematabadi. It's okay. <clears throat> you did a good job. Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, thank you, uh, council members. So um, it's about the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, like yourself, yourselves, I'm a public servant myself. I work for City of Los Angeles, and I commute back and forth uh, to downtown LA uh, because uh, I found this city as a good place to raise my family. 
And if I have to send my kids to after-school programs, I have to pay about $1,000 per month, and I cannot afford it. Um, so other people have expressed uh, their dissatisfaction about closing the uh, Boys and Girls Club. I will just ask some questions. Basic, the first question is, why do you want to close it? Mr. Hemetabadi, I, I made it clear that it's not an interactive discussion. I'm okay. sorry. I, but, I don't want to disrespect your questions, no, it's okay. but At the beginning, we can't do that. You can, you can provide brief answers. I, right? I can ask questions. And, and, oh, but, I see. Yeah. All right. So I can ask questions of you, for example, to get clarification. Sure. And please know that I'm not uh, docking your time for this. I just wanted to not have you stare at us and not get the okay. answer you no, seek. No, it's okay. Uh, so, and my other question is, what, what will be the use of this area after it's uh, shut down? And the other thing that everyone else asked was why it's not going to be voted on, why it's not going to be put on the agenda. That's all I have. Thank you. And Ms. Harmony Warren. Good evening, Ms. Warren. Good evening. Uh, thank you for your time this evening. Um, I want to speak about the Boys and Girls Club, and um, I had emailed every, everyone on the council, and I had only gotten one response by Jerry Holloway. Thank you. And we had a great conversation for about 40, 45 minutes, and I really appreciate your time. And um, I, I would just like to see more, more transparency and communication regarding this topic. I see that it's been very difficult for um, for people of the community and parents to, to schedule a meeting with you, and also for people uh, working with the Boys and Girls Club, as I understand it. Um, they have also reached out to you, and emailed you, and called you, and have not been able to schedule a meeting. Um, and I know that you know asking you to put this on the agenda may just be falling on, not, not deaf ears, but I understand that you guys are in consensus with the decision to not renew the lease. Um, hence, it you know probably will not end up on the agenda um, with the way you see um, the contract as is. But why can you not just you know can consider you know um, communicating with the Boys and Girls Club and, and and the community and and figuring out some kind of kind of middle ground, some kind of um, way to to collaborate, um, perhaps maybe cut your funding from one half percent annually to, to a quarter and finding out where else we can shore up um, finances to support them. Um, they, they do offer great um, great opportunities for, for children of this, this community um, um, to, to help enrich their lives. Um, you know, I, I, I have my boys enrolled in um, Boy Scouts and, and we, we play soccer throughout the year and along with our you know, frequent camping and hiking trips. Um, they're, they also now have ukulele options uh, through the Boys and Girls Club, along with like extra support and reading and um, physical activity that they provide, and then the tor Torch Club for the older children who want to be involved with leadership. So, um, as I'm like obviously just just winging it here, I ask that you, um, you you try and think outside the box, you know, and how how can we change your relationship with the Boys and Girls Club to communicate with them and, and, and see how we can make this work out financially for you guys. So thank you. Thank you.
Chris McLaughlin. Hi, Chris. Good evening, Mayor Gamble, City Council. Hang on one second, we'll lift the podium for you. Yeah. Uh, hey, as a height-challenged person, I'm jealous. <laughs> um, so uh, my name is Chris McLaughlin. It's been two weeks since my last public comments. Um, I wanted to recap uh, my position on the Boys and Girls Club. I think it's a no-brainer to renew the lease. It's an important community resource. It's very popular. It doesn't have problems. It's not free, but it's a good value uh, investment in the future of the community. Uh, I'm not opposed to a history museum. I think that's important. I would like to see more of the um, kind of things we have on the wall over here, the black and white photos or the older photos of Rancho. Uh, I think having things on the walls, uh, plaques and you know whatever artifacts there are, maps, uh, old everything is, is great. I think that's we should enrich this civic center and the history of the place. Um, the, the other thing is I recognize your authority to, you know, cancel the lease or not renew it. That's certainly within uh, your purview and part of your job. Uh, where I have a problem is the lack of transparency in how that decision was arrived at and who is actually responsible. At this point, it seems to be this kind of muddled, vague community group thing, kind of like it is what it is, it just happens kind of answer, and, and, and that's not really uh, taking accountability for your, your job as city council members to um, oversee the function of the Bell Tower Regional Community Center, uh, to direct uh, the city manager as much as you can direct the city manager and the Department of uh, Community Services, the Director of Community Services, to their job role is to manage that, and your job is to oversee that. So when something like this happens, which a lot of uh, community members feel is tragic and unnecessary. Um, it needs to be you know, a little more transparent. The question I've been getting a lot lately from different people is, how do you get something on the agenda? And I tell them, well, uh, there is no process to get something on the agenda. And, and people honestly can't believe that's the truth. And I have to tell them three or four times, there's seriously no way to get something on the agenda. It, it, if city council doesn't want to discuss it, it's very tidy to not put on the agenda. So, you know, you can talk about all you want as public comments, but they can't respond and they don't have to answer you. And, and, that, and people are like, are you kidding me? That, how is that legal? You know, like, what, you know, seriously, what's the real process? Do we have to write somebody? Do you have to do something? And so that, that's a little mind-boggling for people when we get stonewalled uh, this, you know, repetitively about something that people obviously care about. So um, uh, please just have it on the agenda as a discussion, as a public hearing. Uh, if nothing else, just explain you know, the decision process and have it, you know, I would recognize that. And I, I don't have a problem with that. Okay, thanks. Take care. Good night. Thank you, Chris. Our last speaker is Anastasia Search. Well, hello, Ms. Search. Yeah, well, hang on one second. We'll put that down. I feel your pain. Yeah. There's a button on this. It's a button that lowers it. Chris oh, Walker can show you. Mm -hmm. 
Good evening. My name is Anastasia Search, and I'm a longtime resident here. Thank you in advance for showing me the respect and courtesy of not interrupting me during my time to speak. I'm speaking today about the city's cancellation of their partnership and defunding of the Boys and Girls Club, their eviction from the community center, my opposition to spending over $300,000 to create a museum, and my renewed request to have all of these matters put on your agenda so the people that you serve can get answers to questions we've been asking for over three weeks. Of the five of you, Anne was the only member to respond to my emails on these matters. She indicated I must speak to the city manager and mayor for answers. The city manager was unavailable for two weeks, so a meeting was set up for February 26th. I previously stated from this podium two weeks ago that the mayor never responded to my two emails and my several attempts to contact her by phone were unsuccessful. At the last council meeting, she indicated she'd be happy to meet with me in person, after which her office contacted me. I was then told my meeting with the city manager was canceled and I must meet with the two of them together. It's not ideal to go into a meeting about very complicated issues and being the one asking the questions to have to listen and digest the answers I'm getting while taking notes. I asked a parent and friends to come along with me to do just that. When we arrived, we were told they couldn't accommodate us. We suggested alternative spaces and were then informed that a meeting with more than just myself was considered a community meeting and could not go forward. As I walked through the building by myself, I saw at least three large, dark, unused conference rooms. I then asked the mayor if I could bring one person with me in in order to take notes. She refused. I then asked to be allowed to record the meeting so that I did not misconstrue their words, hers and the city manager. The mayor's response was, absolutely not. At that point, I thanked them for their time, and I left. Why can they speak to a community member only if they're alone? Two people, in my estimation, does not constitute a community meeting. The mayor's invitation to meet in person appears only to be grandstanding during public meetings such as this. A quote I recently became aware of applies here. Her rhetoric does not match her actions. All this aside, I once again formally reiterate my request that all of the above-mentioned issues be placed into the agenda so that the community you serve can have input into decisions that adversely affect so many of us. I'll say the quiet part out loud. What are you trying to hide? Thank you. City Manager, I, we have, a, I suspect, some questions and clarifications. Uh, Ms. Search, you asked me for a meet, you asked for a phone call, and instead I said, let's get together. It seems silly to me for you to have a separate meeting with the City Manager and a separate meeting with me. Uh, 
so I have to say that when we didn't want a community meeting, that's not the invitation that was extended to you, and it wasn't the invitation that you accepted. If you wanted to bring additional people, you could have shown me the simple courtesy and the city manager of calling ahead and asking. But you didn't show me the courtesy that we showed you. And lastly, city staff didn't appreciate the expletives that you uh, decided to spew out as you walked out. So a point of clarification. Uh, the Boys and Girls Club uh, is scaled for 100 students. That's, that was our contract value. What is our current enrollment in the Boys and Girls Club? Uh, I, I don't know what the current enrollment is, but the average daily attendance for the last year, and this is according to the Boys and Girls Club themselves, is it ranges from about 50-some students to a little over 60-some students, and the average being about 60 students daily attendance. And that, uh, that has... That does not comport with the characterizations of it being 100 students in a wait list, the 300 students, 200 students, something like that. We're, we've never been at more than 100. No, no the, the facility is capped at 100 students, and the participa participation has uh, decreased from that to, as I mentioned, about average of 60 daily students. And these are the Boys and Girls Club numbers? These are the Boys and Girls Club numbers okay. from the Boys and Girls Club themselves, yes. Okay. I object to your expletives comment. Well. I picked up my bag, I picked up my papers, and I said, staff thank heard you for you. your time. Staff heard and you. And I walked out, and as I'm I not going to argue with hall, you, you're out of order. If you continue to interrupt the meeting, I'll have you removed. Fine. Moving along, do you have any further clarifications from um, staff? Well, while we're on the topic, um, is there an income requirement of any level for uh, participation in the Boys and Girls Club of Capo Valley at all? Uh, not that I'm aware of. There's not an income requirement or a, or a residency requirement, meaning they, they could come from any city or any school. I'm sorry, could you repeat the end of that? Correct. There, to my knowledge, there is no uh, income requirement, uh, you know, financial aid requirement for uh, participation in the Boys and Girls Club uh, or any, you know, I know they have many locations, but they can come from any school. Thank you. I'm sorry. Thank you. Certainly. Councilmember Holloway. Madam Mayor, oh, no, thank you. Just a, a clarification. Um, became aware of today before the meeting that um, Boys and Girls Club has asked for a meeting with the city staff. Is that the case, Jennifer? No, they have not asked for a meeting with city staff. My understanding is that they've requested a meeting of uh, one or more council members. Um, I have extended an invitation to meet um, and have not received a response. Okay, thank you for that. Yeah, certainly, Councilmember Beal. So, um, Ms. City Manager, with this declining 
average daily attendance and participation in the program, the city is still spending the same amount of money on an annual basis, correct? We're spending, I think, $120,000 per year in support, plus providing, in effect, the space-free, free rent. Um, and I'm curious, does this amount of money, which is a significant amount of money every single year, does that cover all of the costs to run this facility, this club in Rancho Santa Margarita? Uh, so I think the first part of your question, yes, we have been providing $120,000 for, I want to say, about 12 years. Um, so approximately $1.2 million. And um, my understanding, based on proposals that have been provided, this is through an RFP. So any bidder, it could be a Boys and Girls Club, it could be other uh, after-school providers can bid on this particular agreement, which is why it has an expiration date that expires in July, um, because it, it could be any group that comes in in the future. Uh, if those services were continued. But uh, their proposal, if I remember correctly, and this is about three years old, is it costs them a, a, over $375,000 to run that particular club for 100 kids. 100 kids is what was anticipated Co correct. was proposed to us. Correct. And we authorized the expenditure of that amount of money. Yes. It's now reduced by a significant percentage as far as average daily real attendance. Correct. Um, you mentioned the RFP process. Just, I hear some people suggest that the Boys and Girls Club is being evicted. That's not the case, is it? Their existing contract comes to an expiration later this year in July. Isn't that correct? Yes. And so... It, it's not an automatic renewal agreement. Okay, thank you. Madam Mayor. Councilmember Holloway, yes. Sorry, that, uh, that posed another question. I appreciate Councilmember Beal. Just a question for staff. Um, the roughly $2,000 per student that we are paying right now for the use of the Boys and Girls Club, how does that compare to other cities that fund, that you're aware of that might fund their Boys and Girls Clubs? Oh, you know, it, it runs the gamut. There's a lot of different Boys and Girls Clubs uh, throughout the county. Some receive no support at all from their cities. Um, some have their own facilities that they've constructed themselves. If, if you're referring to just the Capistrano Valley Boys and Girls Club, um, I believe that they have two other cities. One provides um, a little bit more funding, but with fewer students. Uh, but it's not at a city facility. It's not at their city hall. And the other provides significantly less funding um, to the Boys and Girls Club. So it, it, I. I would have to get back with you with some more information um, on specifics on that. I don't have all of that right now. Would it be a fair question to, to staff? To, are there any current funding scenarios that, that the city provides to organizations where it's at upwards of $2,000 per participant? No. Okay. I, I mean, even our police services on a per capita basis is much less than that. So as I understand, roughly for public safety, it's about $60 a person? No, it's its more than that. I think it's about 250 or something. Oh, $250 something. Yeah, a person yeah, yeah. Per, per year. Per capita, yeah. Versus 2000 okay. Right. Sorry about that. All right. It's okay. Thank you. I have one last question, and then I'll wrap it up. Okay. Do the, attend the members or the attendees that go to the Boys and Girls Club, do they have to live in Rancho Santa Margarita? 
N no. So our tax dollars are paying for children that don't live in Rancho Santa Margarita. I don't have the, the statistics on where the children come from. But, but we know that some non-city children have gone there and do go there. There have been, of course. I, yes. I know of some. That I know actually, of some yeah. also. But, but I couldn't tell you what, how many, if it's a few or, or anything. I know. I don't have it. I understand. Thank you very much. I think the takeaway from that is non-city children attend our Boys and Girls Club. Thank you. Moving on. Oh, I'm very sorry. I have an additional speaker that just card just got over to me. Uh, my apologies. Mr. Ken Dixon. Mm -hmm. Hello, City Council. Hello. Um, you know, I've been a resident here in this community for nearly 20 years. Um, I love our community. And I think our community deserves transparent, courageous, honest leadership uh, from all of you. That's what we look to you for. Um, I know it can't be easy to sit in those seats to hear some of the things that you hear, but it's also very challenging for your constituents, the people out here who have real problems and real challenges with what is happening, especially when we don't hear what's happening, when it's not put on an agenda, when meetings are canceled. You can make every excuse that you want in the book, but at the end of the day, people are gonna fill in the blanks with the information that they think might be happening unless it's discussed here in an open forum. My challenge to all of you is to have the courage to listen to your community because your community is speaking very loudly right now. I know Anastasia personally. She's a good friend of mine. She's probably one of the sweetest people that I know. And for her to, I wasn't there. I, I can only guess what happened. But for her to, if she did use an expletive, I have to believe that some, some poor treatment was offered to her at that time. I work in the corporate world where we flex on a dime to make things happen. So if somebody shows up in your office where you're only expecting one person, but they brought two other people with them that happen to be community members, I don't see what the problem is going into a room just to listen to your community. You've got to put this on the agenda. You've got to listen to your community because your community wants this Boys and Girls Club to be here. They want a, a program that's gonna serve them. I'm not sure what you're gonna be putting in this museum that's only gonna be open for four hours a day. It must be monumental. I don't know if an archeological dig has turned something up that's gonna put it on display. I would really love to see that and I love museums. But ultimately, the bigger problem I have here is the lack of transparency and the disregard for the needs of this community from all of you. Thank you very much. Okay, moving on to the consent calendar. All matters on the consent calendar are to be approved in one motion unless the council member staff or member of the public requests a separate action on a specific item on the consent calendar. I do have a public speaker, a few public speakers for the consent calendar. The uh, first is Saga Conroy. Hi, Saga, how are you? Point of clarification, Madam yeah, Mayor, yeah. is this on a particular agenda item? Yes, yeah, agenda item 5.5. Yes, the item needs to be pulled. We just, oh, sorry. And then the balance. I'll go ahead yeah. and pull that item, and then you could speak to it at Very that good. time. 
Come on up, Saga. We'll work it out. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Point of order. Uh, we need to approve the balance of the consent calendar and then pull items. Thank Certainly. you. I only have one item to be pulled, 5.5, seeking a motion. I'll move the balance of the consent calendar. Thank you. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. I'll, sec I, I I'll second it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Aye. Aye. I think Tony seconded it first. So item 5.5. Hi, Saga. How are you? Hi. How are you? Very uh, good. Thank you. Honorable Mayor uh, Gamble and uh, uh, Mayor Potan uh, McGurr, uh, nice seeing you again today, and also our council members and the city staff. Uh, my name is Saga Conroy. Uh, I work for Orange County Supervisor Chairman Don Wagner. Uh, so since I'm from the county today, uh, I'm here to speak uh, to support the city's a recent uh, ordinance a, regarding the sidewalk, uh, sidewalk vending. Um, I remember last a um, well, as a county staff, and at the same time, uh, as a South County uh, resident uh, who I live in actually in Mission Viejo, only 10 uh, minutes drive from here, but I mm -hmm. do come here a lot. So, anyway, a in November, uh, I remember it was a last November uh, when the city started to uh, having the uh, how to say the late night a uh, street a taco stand a pop up a, and selling tacos with open flame. So we definitely got a call and and I I talked to the uh, the county uh, environmental uh, health uh, department and got a confirmation that none of those kind of pop ups that uh, you know vendors having the uh, house a permit from the county. So it's a 100% uh, you know, sure that all those uh, street vendors are not properly or say legally uh, performing the, uh, you know, the food selling business. So I joined the, uh, the first operation with uh, the city code enforcement and all, uh, with the, uh, the county house, a health, a environmental health department, also the public works, and also our sheriffs uh, together to uh, basically take down this uh, this booth. And at the same time, because I, I wanted to have that, uh, uh, the first hand information. And, you know, so today here, I can confidently provide my, uh, my you know, uh, how to say, observations and all the information to you. So it's, it's a, I would say it's a very, um, wise and uh, brave and also a necessary action for the city to 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 do and so I strongly uh, and also the same as the county health care agency uh, environmental uh, health department we strongly support what you guys do because right now uh, in the entire county we have Anaheim actually passing their ordinance to make it more strict uh, more strict and also uh, I mean Anaheim has been a uh, one of the biggest city in Orange County have been suffering from this kind of pop-up sidewalk vending for a long time and it just you know seems are getting worse and also uh, Rancho Santa Margarita as a growing young city we are also started to you know having this kind of issue uh, so I myself uh, witness uh, many more coming up so anyway just to wrap up and uh, so I uh, the the people who's buying the food are a lot of young people, so they might be uh, young and health, stronger with a better immune system. But as a old, I mean older person now, uh, I am not going to laugh about any adults' suggestion not to buy food from the uh, the street vending. Because when I when I was there, those if food, especially the meat, were 
wrapped in grocery bags and without any kind of a, uh, you know, uh, uh, you can imagine. No and refrigeration. There's no fridge at all. There's no fridge at all. And so uh, anyway, we, uh, we w from the county, we would like to encourage the city uh, to partner with the county that providing more, uh, you know, uh, more, more education uh, opportunity to the business owners and also to our community to uh, watch their house. And also if those, uh, any vendor want to, uh, perform as a res as a restaurant, they must be regulated as a restaurant. So that protects you know everybody, and also especially protect our uh, small business as well. So anyway, just to wrap up, and thank you guys for doing this, and uh, I strongly support that, and uh, wish you guys the best luck, and take care. Thank you for your thank comments. You. Thank you. I will move item 5.5. I, I have two more speakers. Oh, I'm, I'm It's a hot topic. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah no problem. Um, we'll that. bring uh, Chris McLaughlin. Welcome back, Chris. Please feel free to lift the podium. <laughs> lift the podium. Uh, it doesn't actually go tall enough. but. Um, Thank you, uh, City Council, for allowing me to speak on this item uh, regarding the new sidewalk vending ordinance. I listened last week. Um, you guys talked about it for about a half hour, uh, all about the taco stands. And this may sound like a dumb question, but does this law uh, also apply to the Trump stands? Uh, I think it does because they're on the sidewalk and they're selling things. And uh, there's parts of it that do apply to them and don't apply to the taco stands. Like the taco stands aren't selling adult material and offensive profanity the way the Trump stands are. They are close to the entrance of a major parking lot. I can't believe there hasn't been an accident. Uh, there's been a lot of customers that slow down and talk from their car, which is also prohibited. So I feel it probably does apply to the Trump stands. And my, my next question would be, uh, if they pop up again, uh, they usually like to do it on Sundays uh, during election years. Um, how do we enforce the ordinance? Uh, do we call the cops first? Do we ask them for their permit? Is there going to be a list of uh, authorized vendors in Rancho that are allowed to sell uh, that we can consult and then you know, have that in mind before you, you know, potentially have an altercation on the street with some psycho spelling uh, flags with stop the steal and whatever? Um, so that's my question is it does it apply to the Trump stands and uh, how do we enforce that? Because uh, I'm sure they're going to violate it and pop up and need to be enforced. Um, and then my question on the process here, it's a repeated theme as far as lack of transparency. Um, we've been talking about this issue for a long time and last meeting we have a fully ready to uh, adopt ordinance uh, after two readings and then the half hour of discussion. So I can't believe that that's the first time you guys have talked about this. And I kind of wonder, where is all the pre-discussion? You know, where does this, you know, uh, ordinance get formed? Um, one particular part of it I don't agree with and would wonder where it came from is the background checks and not allowing felons to sell stuff. I'm not really sure if, if that matters that the person selling uh, tacos or Trump uh, flags is a felon or whatever. Like, I don't know why that's a problem. They're just buying stuff. So I kind of wonder uh, where that came from. Is that what every other city does? Is there some other reason that everyone doesn't think, I don't know, felons should be selling things to the public? 
they think they're selling other things. They just, I don't know, they, they figure other crime will happen. So that part, I'm curious where that came from. And if we had sessions where we openly sort of develop new ordinances, it probably wouldn't be a question uh, since we don't. That that's kind of what I'm curious about. Okay, thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Our next speaker is Dr. Schulman. I'm sorry, Dr. Schumann. I've known you so long, I can't believe I just mispronounced your name. Uh, my apologies. 100% understandable, mm -hmm. and I'm, no, no apology needed. I thank you guys again for yielding time. As we begin to comply with some of the state of California's regulations and we implement them here in the city of Rancho Santa Margarita, I know you guys are bound by the Miller's test in the time, place, and manner that has to be kind of loosely construed among everybody. But at the same time, putting a street vendor on a street, they have to have parking. And I know parking's been an issue here that's been brought by various council members when they've passed me in, in passing. Do these vendors have to have authorization to encroach upon a private parking lot for their customers? You know, the, the people who are paying for those brick and mortars need to have places for their customers to park, to park as well. That's just one of the issues that I had. You know, I do have to make a comment that I am here outside of my official capacity as a state representative. I'm speaking as an individual. Don't want to get any nice letters on that one. Um, business permits. I know this will be a, a, a weird introduction into business permits. I know the city is very open to business friendly and allowing us to grow as our businesses do. Are we going to extend that beyond these street vendors to apply to other businesses? And I hope there is some throttle in place to make sure that that doesn't happen within the city. And finally on that, there was a point in that regulation regarding roaming versus stationary um, street vending and their activities within a residential area. I don't think residential activities of street vending should occur and that's my own personal opinion. I know I usually reserve my own personal opinions. I leave it to you as an indirect republic that you guys make those decisions. But I'm going to strongly <laughs> speak out against uh, street vending in a residential area. Thank you for your time and look forward to seeing y'all. Thank you. Would you like to offer any clarifications to this or perhaps contact Mr. Shulman and Mr. McLaughlin? Uh, yeah, that was quite a bit to unpack, but uh, <laughs> in terms of the last speaker, uh, state law SB 946 specifically preempts our ability to prohibit roaming sidewalk vending in residential districts. So in strictly residential districts, state law has allowed us to ban stationary, but we are required by state law to permit roaming. So much of what's in this ordinance uh, is dictated by state law, unfortunately. Yes, Ms. City Manager. I, I would also like to add um, some clarification on um, some of the other issues that have uh, been brought up. Number one, uh, the, the ordinance would apply to all vendors. It doesn't matter what they're selling. Uh, it, would be, it would apply to all of them. With respect to enforcement, we do have code enforcement. They can work um, seven days a week. We schedule them accordingly, depending on what the needs are at that time. And uh, should we receive any notifications of unpermitted uh, vendors or vendors that have popped up that we're not aware of or that have not come and seen us for a permit, we will send code enforcement out um, at the appropriate times so that we can uh, enforce that. And then uh, the final uh, item is that 
uh, given that all of the cities around us and uh, even in Orange County have been dealing with this issue, it has been on staff's radar for a number of years, uh, in fact, and our city attorney has been working on the ordinance uh, for staff to present that to the city council, uh, and it's something that is mirrored other ordinances, so that is the, the development process for this type of ordinance. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much. Do I have any further questions? Council discussion? I Seeing apologize none. for jumping yeah. the gun earlier. Sure, no problem. No I, problem. I will second uh, Councilmember Holloway's uh, motion to approve 5.5. Wonderful. All those in favor say aye. 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 Unanimously passes. There we go. Moving on to item number Six public hearing items. We have none this evening. Item number seven, new business. Item 7.1, child safety and e-bikes update by the Rancho Santa Margarita Police Services. Good evening, Chief Kennedy. How are you? Good evening, Madam Mayor and members of the City Council. Tonight, our school safety deputy, uh, Dan Lee, will be providing an update on child safety and e-bike safety initiative. Thank you. Good evening, welcome. Good evening, Madam Mayor and the members of City Council. My name is Dan Lee and I'm Child Safety our Deputy. First off, I want to thank everyone for giving me this opportunity. Today's topics are going to be the state of the schools, the e-bike safety initiative, crimes on campus and how we address them, and recommendations. The City of Arson Police Services oversees 18 schools with a total population of 9,262 students. There are two school districts in RSM, the first being Saddleback Valley Unified School District and the other one being Capistrano Unified School District. And the other schools in RSM are preschools and private schools. These are statistics gathered from Mission Hospital. In 2020, there were 11 e-bike trauma patients, and in 2021, there were 70 e-bike trauma patients. Oh my God. In 2022, the leading cause of trauma injuries for patients under the age of 18 uh, were e-bike crashes. Mission Hospital had 105 patients admitted to the emergency room. In 2022, the Orange County Sheriff's Department responded to more than 80 collisions involving e-bikes, and deputies also impounded more than 30 motor motorized bicycles from riders who did not have the proper licensing and registration. I'm sorry, Deputy Lee. To, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Can you ask the people, please, in the lobby to, to have a party anywhere else but our lobby? Thank you. Good. Thank you very much, Deputy Lee. Okay. We can hear you now. Okay, yes. thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. So these, I'm sorry, I think I skipped that. Okay. I would like to talk about what RSM police's, police services have done regarding e-bikes. These are statistics for 2023 in RSM. There were 135 calls for service involving e-bikes. These 
involved um, accidents, thefts, complaints, citations, and warnings given. On the enforcement side, 36 citations and more than 100 warnings were given. And extra patrol checks have been conducted as well. We've done outreach and engagement presentations, and so far we've presented three e-bike presentations at school sites. I would like to introduce you to the e-bike safety initiative. There are three phases in the e-bike safety initiative we are proposing. The first phase is, sorry, is education. From 2023 till now, four e-bike presentations have been presented at school sites. And we also have future e-bike presentations planned. Like uh, someone mentioned earlier, we do have a presentation coming up on March 16th. The second phase is the engagement phase. We've used social media platforms, school districts, and newsletters to communicate with the community. We've done bicycle rodeos where we educated participants and reinforced positive behavior. Increased patrol checks after school at nearby parks and businesses have also been conducted. The third phase is the enforcement phase. We've directed the enforcement towards e-bike safety, and this was designed to address and change the behavior of individuals who persist in problematic uh, actions. During detentions, our assembly staff have educated riders and parents on the law and best practices. And we've issued citations and warnings, and we've also towed surround motorcycles. What schools have done? There are approximately 45 students riding e-bikes to school. The schools are willing to work with OCSD to promote e-bike safety off campus. Schools are suggesting and encouraging parents and students to attend our e-bike safety course. At this time, the following schools on the PowerPoint um, are enforcing e-bike violation on school campus, such as giving discipline to those students who do not follow the rules. We are currently working with Saddleback Unified School District on a system where students will be required to take our e-bike course in order to ride their e-bikes to school. And the following schools, they might not be a part of Saddleback, but they are willing to work with us on a permit system as well. Going back to the e-bike safety initiative, I would like to explain the why. The why, the purpose of the safety initiative is to increase e-biker rider safety, educate the rules of the road, and promote self-awareness. Safety courses are hosted for students and parents, um, and they are also encouraged to attend as well. The topics will be, that will be covered will include traffic laws, basic maintenance, and safe riding practices. We also partnered up with Mission Hospital. Trauma staff and ER doctors come and present with us. Um, they educate the attendees with what could happen and what has happened in the past. They go over injuries patients come in with that have resulted from e-bike accidents. For example, traumatic head injuries from not wearing helmets. Mission Hospital also provides helmet fittings and they provide free helmets to the students. Some of the events we participated in were pumpkin giveaways, the every 15 minute event, and Reverend Marie. Pumpkin giveaways, we had over 140 pumpkins donated to the school for foundation kids um, with the assistance of the city, so thank you. Um, every 15 minutes event, CHP and OCFA taught students on the importance of not drinking and driving under the influence. Sorry, not driving under the influence. They set up a mock DUI crash that involves fatalities, and it showed seniors of high school near prom time or grad night not to do anything, or maybe just take an Uber or get a ride from a, a family member. 
Um, at the end, a retired OCFA fire captain speaks about how his family was affected when his daughter was killed by a drunk driver. This event showed the students firsthand the tragic effects of drinking and driving has to a family as well as to a community. Red Ribbon Week. OCSD visited three schools and spoke to students about the importance of staying away from drugs, alcohol, and tobacco. And students were also advised the importance of eating healthy and working out. I will be transitioning to the law enforcement aspect of my position. The most common crimes occurring on campuses are assaults, thefts, vandalism, and possession of drugs. To proactively address the crimes on campus, the OCSC Community Program Unit provides presentations on Above the Influence. This is our take on the D.A.R.E. program. The school threats we are notified are of are investigated immediately on campus and forwarded to our SMART team. The SMART team then determines whether the threat is transient or substantive. All crimes against children are investigated promptly on campus and then forwarded to our investigative units such as the Family Protection Unit or the Special Victims Unit. Uh, let's discuss teens and technology. Virtual learning has made children extremely comfortable with technology. Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok. Their trust in technology has led to an increase in cyberbullying and technology-related crimes. OCSE teaches middle school students what to be cautious of while using technology. So in the second poster, we don't have any incidences where kids are meeting up with friends but end up not being friends. Other functions as the child safety deputy. We conduct vulnerability and threat assessments for school campuses, and we also participate in lockdown and fire drills. Okayak assists us with site assessments, and we also train for active shooter scenarios. We've also done a two-day training at Santa Margarita Catholic High School. Um, they've let us use their campus for training. We bring in deputies, bomb squad, canines, and we kind of just do like a whole day scenario of what could happen and what we can do when if it ever happens. Okay, we're happy to report that all our campuses have completed threat assessments. For the purpose of getting to the root of the problem, the city of RSM promoted the parent project class. We hosted a class that started in September of 2023 and concluded in December of 2023. We did so for the purpose of assisting the family with troubled kids. For example, some issues we addressed were family conflict, childhood trauma, violence, uh, drug use, and runaways. Mental health. The schools in RSM have recognized the crisis and are meeting the challenge. Almost every school now has a full-time counselor um, and most schools now also employ full-time or rotating psychologists to come through the schools and speak to the students. I am happy to report that there have been no instances where I had to transport a child to a psychiatric facility and place them on a hold. Reference our proposed e-bike safety initiative, we recommend Project 529. Project 529 is a bicycle registry, and they partnered up with the national, the biggest national bicycle registry. Basically, the program, you're able to register your e-bikes and bicycles, and this program is used to deter theft and also identify bicycles when they're found. 
The bicycle will be inputted into a database, allowing users to search for the bicycle, unfortunately, if it gets stolen. The owner would upload their personal information, such as name, email, phone number, along with their bicycle information and some photos or speci uh, special identifying features like stickers or bike racks and whatnot onto a database. And for example, if we conduct a bicycle stop and we find out that that bicycle doesn't belong to that person, we can use this database to maybe see if the owner actually registered their bicycle and we can get it back to the owner. More than 1,400 law enforcement agencies, cities, schools, and bicycle shops partner have signed up for this program in, uh, throughout North America to help bicycle thefts occurring. Some departments include, surrounding us include Irvine Police Department, Costa Mesa Police Department, Huntington Beach Police Department, Newport Beach Police Department, and the University of California of Irvine. We are recommending purchasing two e-bikes for enforcement purposes and various other community events. Surrounding cities have been phasing out regular bicycles and are introducing e-bikes, such as Dana Point, San Clemente, and Mission Viejo into their operations. So that photo on the right, that's actually uh, one of San Clemente's. They have two e-bikes for San Clemente. That car belongs to their school resource officer, and he carries the bikes around in case he wants to do extra community engagements, maybe school drop-offs and pickups. Maybe he wants to show the kids how to properly you know, wear their helmets or do a bicycle check before they start riding. And he drives around with that all day behind his patrol vehicle. This approach aligns with the city's mission to increase and encourage community-involved encounters. We could use the e-bikes for positive contacts with the community as well as the students. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Deputy. You did a great job. This is your first presentation yeah, to our you. city council. Thank you, and welcome. This is the first time you've, thank you. you've been here. We're happy to have you. Thank you very much. Oh, you got an applause. Yeah, good job. Yes. Uh, may, may I, may, may I Certainly. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem. Uh, first of all, welcome, Deputy Lee. Thank you, sir. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Um, Quick question on the e-bikes. Um, you referenced the fact that there is a, a number of schools that require proof of participation in the classes before they can ride and park their bikes at school. I, did I get that right? I We're working on getting to that point. All the schools listed on that PowerPoint slide are all for participating in that program. They, they've agreed to participate in the yes, program. Sir. But the goal is to get to a point where before a young person can park their bike at school, ride their e-bike to school and park it there, they have to show proof of, of the Completion fact that they've completed it. successfully the class, correct? Yes, sir. And I think you mentioned you're working through Saddleback Unified? Yes, sir. Has there been an attempt to work with also Capistrano Unified? Yes, sir. Oyo Vista, actually, uh, I contacted them earlier today, and they were already working on a permit system. So I told them, hey, we have an e-bike uh, safety course coming up in March. Right. Would it be possible if we had the attendees come to our class? We'll give them a certificate, and then they can get that permit in order to get their e-bikes. Yeah, I campus. know Principal McGann is very much in favor of that. I know, yes, but sir. we have we have two K-8 through schools that are associated with Capital Unified, Royal Vista and Tejeras Creek. Yes, sir. And then there's also one high school, and that being Tesoro. So I bring that up only because I I, I certainly would like to see it citywide and make sure that 
because the kids, even though Tesoro is a, a bit of a distance, they, that's what e-bikes are for, to travel yes, distances. And so I'm sure there are a lot of young people that are riding their bikes to Tesoro up that meandering trail and then down that long road at Tesoro High School. <clears throat> and um, you know, I, I remain fearful that someone's going to have an accident or something. So I'm glad to hear that we're working with both school districts that serve our city and also a private school, Santa Margarita Catholic, to, to have everybody involved in this enforcement program or this um, class. Yes, so thank you, Deputy. That's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Holloway. Madam Mayor, thank you. Well, welcome. We've got some big shoes to fill. The SROs through the last number of years have been <laughs> so good yes, that sir. They, they barely stay three years because they promote and they just go on to bigger and better things. So hopefully we can keep you uh, as long as possible because I'm hearing good things from all of the uh, schools that we contact with. I've talked with some of the administrators at the high school. They love what you're doing, and your presence there is certainly making a difference. Thank you, sir. A couple questions. Can you bring back the picture? I don't mean to mess up. The 529 slide for a second. Okay. Now, is that something that we need to add to in terms of, like, the, the enforcement purpose on the e-bikes that we would have to add to the budget, or is that just going to happen with the existing budget? <laughs> So the recommendation for tonight is a receive and file. So I'm not expecting the council to um, provide a direction on that specifically. I have had conversations with uh, Captain Kennedy regarding these two items. They're fairly minimal cost um, between the two items. I think we're talking about less than $15,000, and it might even be less than that. So we are evaluating whether there's something within our budget that we can current in the current budget to uh, move forward with this, if that's something that the council thinks is also a good idea. Um, if not, we would bring it forward in the uh, next fiscal year budget. Well, thank you. And I, I'm all for this project. I mean, I'm just imagining deputies on e-bikes setting great examples to kids because kids, when they see stuff, they do what they see. Right. And the, the deputies are going to uh, set good examples riding the e-bikes. And I love the fact that they can be out in the community and, and it's, it's going to be a, a huge benefit. So uh, to your point, Jennifer, I, I hope we can, you know, fund it if it's something that's you know, workable within the, with the fabric and we don't have to wait too long for it. Right. Now, as far as the registration of the e-bikes and, and bikes, is that something that we would, is, is that happening right now? Or you, you said that it's, it's kind of being implemented right now, the top part of the 529. It's not happening right now. Okay. Um, okay. If this does get approved, we would hold registration events. Got it. Okay. Um, with that, we would host a class as well, and hopefully we can get more members of the community to attend and register their bikes with us. I think that's a great idea as well. So if it's something that we could do sooner than later, I certainly would be in favor of that. Um, a question for you, you. You've been an SRO at Rancho how long now? Um, uh, not long, right? Almost three months, sir. Okay. Are you seeing many kids to and from school riding e-bikes, or does it seem to be more after school? So there are 45 students, and I actually asked every school, and I got a specific number. It's more after school Okay. at the parks, and after they go home, they grab their e-bikes, and they'll okay. ride around town. And if you go one, go back to your first slide, and I'll, I'm almost finished here. It was the statistics that you had about um, the citations and the contacts and the and the. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, 
136 contacts in, regarding enforcement with the be a citation or warning, and then the calls. Um, certainly, these numbers are picking up, and, and I don't see the, the e-bike issue going away. I think it's going to be something that we're, we're with, and, I, and I'm thinking that the, this is a, obviously a long-term scenario. And I think back to back in the day, you know, as old as I am, I remember when um, DUI enforcement finally became a bigger issue than it was when I was younger, and it was education and enforcement. And you can see that's, that's a long time ago many years ago, but it is an example of a start of a program from MAD to all the, all the different scenarios that existed to, you know, bring awareness where, you know, my daughter, who's in her 30s, that's all they heard growing up was, was you know, don't drink and drive and all the stuff that they do at the schools to, you know, all the stuff. And, and I think this is, I hope this is kind of the same thing. It's going to take a while where kids get educated and they see you know, some of the things that, you know, maybe we incorporate, you know, for the every 15 minutes, something with an e-bike, because you certainly see from um, Mission Hospital's willingness to share with us statistics, which I think is amazing. Um, they certainly don't share names, but the traumatic injuries are substantial. And um, so bottom line is what you're doing, you're going to be saving lives. You're say, you might have saved some lives with the deputies from the 36 citations and the 100 warnings. I, I'm, somebody's life has been saved. That's, I'm convinced of it. So please keep what you're doing what you're doing. We so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, you. sir. Thank you. Uh, comments from questions from council members? So as I was listening to you, deputy, I was thinking about uh, the calls for service. So when we have 135 calls for service regarding e-bikes, that takes a law enforcement officer off the street to, to tend to an e-bike uh, accident, theft, complaints, citations, warnings, etc. So it's also, in addition to be dangerous for the children, it takes some law enforcement resources away from the community. I was wondering if you have ever heard of uh, tagging for the bicycles. My husband and I bought e-bikes because we're old. And actually, I got mine first because I couldn't keep up with them on a bicycle. And so we have hidden Apple tags on our bicycles just in case they're stolen. And I was wondering, is there any... Uh, potential, or I would like to know if there's any potential for a grant program where in addition to giving away helmets, we can give away some sort of tagging locator. So instead of taking, you know, police reports, you could just be told where the bicycle is, the tag, and and then go to that location. It seems much more efficient to me. Um, yeah, look at this. Yeah, thanks. And so... Um, there's all sorts of neat ways you can hide them on your, your bikes, too. So uh, that might be helpful with that one aspect. I know we're talking about safety uh, for the riders, but uh, since you covered theft on slide three, I thought I'd share that. And I know the community would love the ability to get maybe a, a tag uh, from the city as a little, little present to help them with their, their e-bikes. Thank you. Further questions from Deputy Lee? Well, I'd have to say for your first time here, I think you did a great job. Thank yeah. you so much, Deputy. Welcome. Thank you, yes. everyone.
That's terrific. Okay. Item eight, continued items. Uh, further design review for the proposed landscaping at the SR241 and Santa Margarita Parkway project and approval of proposed amendment number one to the professional services agreement with BGB Design Group for a continued professional landscape architectural design consulting services and adoption of a resolution amending the fiscal year 23-24 capital improvement program. Hello, Mr. Nguyen. How are you? Good. Yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to see you again. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Good evening, Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council. Tonight's presentation is on the design review for the landscaping at State Route 241 and Santa Margarita Parkway. Here with me again is Arthur Guy from BGB Design, our landscape architectural consultant. It's just my luck. I know. <laughs> yeah. We feel your pain, trust no, me. No, she, yeah. she turned it off, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Next time, check if it's on. The project is located at South 241 and Santa Margarita Parkway. It is located within the Caltrans right-of-way. Should the project proceed to construction, we would be required to enter into a landscape maintenance agreement with Caltrans. The project was first approved as part of this year's capital improvement program. We were here last month to present the initial design review. We're here tonight to present the revised design review as well as to request approval of amendment number one to BGB's design contract as well as adoption of a CIP budget amendment resolution. Should the city council decide to move forward with final design, we do expect that to take approximately two to three months. At the last city council meeting, we reviewed three design themes. The preferred city council design theme was the traditional theme shown here. We'll be referencing this as the original traditional theme. The city council at that time requested some minor modifications to this design in order to better improve it. The revised design theme is shown here. We'll be referencing this as the modified traditional theme. The difference or the similarities between the original and the modified traditional theme is we still propose to use the existing sycamore trees. We propose to still incorporate bougainvillea, Clara Indian hawthorn, as well as little gem magnolia trees. The difference between the modified and the original is the Clarissa has now been replaced with crushed rubble stone. We are proposing to incorporate as part of the ground cover, some additional uh, coast rosemary, and part of the rubble stone will be accented with uh, large boulders as well as red yucca. And lastly, we are proposing to install a stone monument sign as well as solar uplighting. What's shown on top is the proposed trees and shrubs. And then on the bottom is the crushed rubble stone as well as the large boulders. There are two options for the City Council's consideration. There is the Baja Cresta. It is a more reddish-brown color. And then there is the Cresta, which is a more gray color. The solar uplighting will require a solar panel. We're going to put that in an inconspicuous spot, hidden away from view as best as possible. So at the last city council meeting, we discussed the sycamore trees throughout the various seasons. So the four photos on the left show the sycamore trees at that particular site in the winter, spring, summer, 
and fall. And then on the right is just the generic one for the all four seasons. As part of the project, we are proposing to uh, include a stone monument sign. The stone monument sign is approximately going to be three feet in height, four feet in width. It can either have engraved lettering, something along the line of Welcome to Rancho Santa Margarita, or we can have a metal fabricated sign, something similar to this lobby here in City Hall. Costs for both are fairly comparable. The top table provides the estimated construction costs based on major categories. The bottom table provides the all-in costs for the soft as well as the hard costs. Estimated all-in cost is $258,000. And with that, the recommendation before the City Council tonight is to review the design concept and provide input and direction as necessary to authorize staff to proceed to the final design and prepare the plans and specifications to adopt a CIP budget amendment resolution as well as to approve amendment number one to BGB's design contract as well as authorize the mayor to execute that contract that concludes my presentation. We're here to answer any questions you may have. Thank you so much, Mr. Union. I suppose it might be a good time. Oh, here he comes. Thank you so much. This isn't your first rodeo, huh? You read my mind. <laughs> good evening. Welcome. Please introduce yourself for the audio for the uh, people that are listening from home. Uh, my name is Arthur Guy. I'm the uh, Principal, President of BGB Design Group, Landscape Architects. Wonderful. Thank you, Arthur. It's great to be here. So do I have questions or comments from staff? We'll start there. Councilmember Beal. Thank you for your presentation. Um, page 11, where you show um, our sycamore trees through the different um, seasons of the year is very helpful. You're proposing to add little gem magnolia trees, is that correct? In this, yes, that's correct. Do they also are they deciduous? Are they going to drop their leaves as well? Uh, they're evergreen. Uh, they will drop their leaves, but it's a continuous uh, process over the years. So, but it's they're evergreen. Are all magnolias the same in that regard? No, there's deciduous as well as evergreen magnolias. Okay. We had the bad kind growing up because I used to have to sweep them up all the time. So yeah. um, thank you for that clarification. Well, g given that skill, Councilmember no, Beale, I'm, I'm not yeah, volunteering yeah. for that. <laughs> we, we may call upon you to serve the city. Uh, uh, questions from council members? So while we're uh, taking questions, I'm going to pass around two stone samples so we can oh, feel, touch, and see. I'm going to go this direction. <laughs> And this is the gravestone. Yep. Kind of a show and tell, and we appreciate it. Yeah. No, no. no. <laughs> Are these real or manufactured stone? They're real. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the big boulders that are referenced would be real boulders. Correct. Correct. As well as the sign. How far back from the roadway would the sign be? Hasn't been uh, completely finalized, but it would be uh, outside of, yeah. Let's see here. Let me just take a gander here. Probably about four or five feet. 
so it could be viewed from the uh, travel lanes. You had a good image of it. Oh, here it is. On uh, staff report page 12, yes, there you go. This is a great image of the beautiful landscaping that exists there today. <laughs> further questions from staff? Councilmember Holloway. Thank I'm you, sorry, Mayor. further questions from council Thank for you, staff. Councilmember Holloway. Thank you. I've got a few. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm an amateur gardener, so of course I know everything, so I've got questions for you. Um, first one, in reading all the, your, your uh, plans that you're adding, um, they all, looking into them, say that they need well-draining soil, all of them. Now, I've not walked that area. I'm not, I don't pull over when I'm out getting off the toll road and walk up there. I'm assuming that the soil, the soil, which certainly is not great. That being said, and I had a conversation this afternoon with, with some of you about this. If it's if it's such that because you're going to do soil testing after this, correct, and it's such that the soil wouldn't support some of these plants or all of them um, or the trees. There's a process to till it, if you will, if I'm using the right words, and put in enough to where the drainage would be adequate for these plants? Is that the case? Yes, there's, there are soil additives that uh, actually allow for uh, better penetration of, of water uh, to move through the soil horizon, and uh, that would be part of the you know, construction documentation to get the soil's recommendations to see what the uh, makeup of the soil is, and, and you know, with that uh, comes recommendations in terms of amending the soil. And there are some um, uh, commercial products that actually allow for um, uh, drainage actually within you know clay type soils. So um, uh, this is fairly uniform soil throughout you know Rancho Santa Margarita. Um, it's and bad. It's bad. So I was going to say it's, it's equally it's horrible good. everywhere. Yeah. Uniform and, bad. And so you know the, this palette is not um, uh, that different from you know what else has been planted in the, in the uh, uh, the you know the region, and so um, you know we deal with this all the time, and very rarely do we ever get to a situation where we have to actually change out the soil. Is the soil amendment, if you need, if it needed to be done? part of this bid? So let's say you went in there and you had to do some significant uh, amendments. Is that part of this or that would be an additional cost? Yeah, that would be part of the soil preparation. Um, say again? Uh, that oh, would be okay. part of the soil preparation um, line item. So that would be, that'd be additional cost, right? No, that would be part of the, Re the, the cost oh, okay. analysis. Re regardless of how deep you had to go? Well, it... it doesn't usually go that deep. Um, it's it's usually uh, you know six to ten, twelve inches is 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 all you actually till up, um, and it's uh, 
most of the soil is is for the container size that is developed, which is a five gallon you know container. So you're just you're you're really trying to um, uh, till the soil so the the root zone can uh, spread out, and then you you know um, increase the the um, moisture content in the soil to allow those roots to you know take mm -hmm. hold and and they don't go down real deep they mostly spread laterally the um whatever entity you would use to purchase these plants and trees and put them in is that a, a commercial vendor well it will be a uh, a, a low bid you know public um, bid contract and they're um you know, we, we set up specifications in terms of the quality of the plant material, and it would be uh, from a wholesale, um, you know, local vendor, uh, you know, within the area, uh, you know, probably within a 50-mile radius. And you would purchase the plants from them and they would, and pay them to put them in? Uh, the contractor would, would, you know, be purchasing the plants. And th there's a smittle process. Um, you know, so we review the uh, the quality of the material that is being proposed from the various uh, vendors. It may come from several different nurseries, depending upon the. Um, Do uh, I'm sorry, I might cut you. Just depending upon the um, species, but normally the big wholesalers will have uh, all the uh, plant material that we. That we proposed, so the the contractors they they look for the lowest cost as well uh, from their normal vendors. I'm aware of nurseries that that you, where you buy their plants and and you put them in, they give you a warranty on the plants, and some of them very lengthy warranties. And if the plants fail, something goes wrong, they replace them. Do we have this scenario with the situation you just discussed? Uh, you know that might be you know on a retail uh, basis. Uh, the contractor uh, will warranty the uh, plant material through um, their post maintenance uh, construction um, period. Normally, uh, it's 90 days for uh, shrubbery and uh, a year for uh, trees. So the answer is no. They wouldn't warranty it past that time frame, right? No, because uh, once the uh, post-installation warranty, uh, it's turned over to the um, long-term maintenance contract, then who killed that plant? You know, the, the installing contractor will just put that on the um, uh, onerous of the long-term contract. So it's really um, incumbent um, on the city during the final walkthrough turnover to make sure that all the material um, is is successful, and and by the time you've reached your three month um, post establishment period, you know if the if the plant's going to make it or not. Okay, thank you for that. Um, ongoing maintenance, and I brought that up today. In terms of, because we're, we're putting in, proposing to putting in, putting in a lot of new plants and trees, a lot. Ongoing maintenance, what will that cost roughly be for these new 
plants, shrubs, and trees that we aren't that it doesn't already part of it because we 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 take that. It's not the the state's not taking that Caltrans, right? We're paying for the maintenance. What what are we looking at for ongoing maintenance costs, like pruning the brass bougainvilleas and stuff? Those beautiful trees. That, that one might be a better. I I would estimate, Councilmember Holloway, that it's probably going to be about two fifty two hundred fifty dollars per day for maintenance for one person for one day, and we'd probably need them two times per month, so approximately five hundred dollars per month. Five hundred dollars every month for maintenance. Forever. That is assuming that there would be one guy for eight hours. So, um, but right now we have not gotten an estimate on that. We would roll it into our regular uh, landscape maintenance contract for the future. And um, again, we would normally let them know this is what it is. They'd come out and see what the landscaping looks like. They would see what it takes, and then come up with an estimate. This is just a per per person per day. Uh, rough estimate at this time, but we would get a regular uh, estimate from our landscape provider. And council member, I'll say that I estimated towards the high side, I believe, just to be on the conservative side. Okay. Next question in reference to the, the rocks that we just saw. Um, the reasoning on the size of them. What would versus smaller or smaller really than that. Tell me about the thoughts about why you picked that size. At the last um, meeting, you know, I, I talked about different different sizes and um, visually, a larger rock. Um, one, it's tough to throw so, larger sort of rock like this, and and um, and it has, you know, when the sun hits it in the shadow, it just has a a, a nicer interplay. Um, uh, we can go, you know, with three-quarter inch and in, you know rock, and and it looks like more of a, just a it's kind of a solid ground plane. Whereas the larger, you know, four to six inch rock, and it could be three to six, um, it just gives a little bit more oomph to the uh, you know the the, the, the visual appeal. Um, it is subjective, and um, you know, welcome you know you know your thoughts. But from a design aesthetic, um, it's just that larger rock, just you know, a little chunkier. It looks nicer, more grounded, and, and uh, um, it, it looks nicer than what you see as just a normal three-quarter inch rock, you know, with a, you know, because that just comes across as a kind of a single color, whereas you get, again, the shades of shadow in the larger. Okay. Um, Irrigation, obviously, we're you know adding quite a bit compared to what's here now. You're going to have to increase the irrigation setup right now, or is what we have there adequate? Well, it would it would be redone. It's it's a bit antiquated. Um, it would be uh, laid out in a uh, new spacing. I I would recommend. Um, Actually, going with the staying with the overhead irrigation as what's there currently, except where uh, any plants that are going to be uh, within the uh, rock mulch that would be done with either bubblers or you know some type of drip ir irrigation. To amount of any any idea of what the amount of water 
that's being spent there now versus what will be spent for this design, what that would be? I don't know, you know, how the current area is being irrigated. Um, obviously, there's not many plants that are surviving on the ground plane, so I don't imagine that it's being irrigated much. Uh, so they're, whether you use native plants or, or um, traditional Mediterranean drought-tolerant plants, uh, there is an establishment period, and you do um, water those in for a whole season and allow them, you know, to, again, the, 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 the root system to knit, and, and then you can taper down the, uh, the, the water from uh, then out. You know, this was the uh, more traditional um, uh, look, so it has a greener uh, look to it. You know, the bougainvillea, the, um, uh, the dwarf uh, wastringia, um, uh, and, the, and the clara. Those are low-water plants, but they do, you know, require um, irrigation. And it just, as they mature, you can lower the um, amount of irrigation, um, you know, uh, commensurate with their, their water needs. But there will be more water used now in the future than what's currently uh, being allocated because there's really nothing being Correct. irrigated. One last question. Um, any of these plants uh, or trees here that you have, any concerns? Can you speak to the the element concerns. Um, we'll have some real fun high winds uh, in this area. Um, depends on the time of year. And that little corridor right there um, certainly can be a big part of that. Any of the plants that you are offering here that you would think might have an issue with high winds? No, all the, all the shrubbery is really intended to be sort of a gradiated uh, size, so it's you know fairly low in uh, along the uh, you know the front edge near the travel lanes, and the bougainvillea would be the largest, but it it's still a low growing bougainvillea. So uh, I'd say four feet is about the then the max of of any of the shrubs. So the wind kind of blows over it, and um, the magnolia tree is the only. Um, probably the most susceptible, um, but magnolia is also one of your main trees, you know, in, in all your, um, or many of your uh, streetscapes. So, you know, not too worried about that as, um, in that regard. Okay. I don't have any more questions. I'll have some comments before the item's over, but no more questions. Thank you very much, Councilmember Holloway. Further questions from council members? I don't have any questions. I'll have comments later. Okay, comments from council members. Comments? Oh, yeah. okay. Well, Mayor Pro Tem. Thank, thank you for your presentation and uh, doing all the work since our last meeting. I appreciate it very much. The only comment I have, I think it looks great. Uh, I would, I personally prefer the, as far as rocks go, the Baja Cresta rubble. I think it's one of the ones we were passing around. Um, Do you want the, I, the larger one or yeah, the smaller one? Yeah, bring that up because I was, today I was at, um, I mentioned this to Councilmember Holloway before the meeting, I was at um, the Gateway building opening at Saddleback College today and they renovated all their landscaping and that's what they've used and it looked really, really good. Um, they had drought tolerant plants with that mixed in with, with 
like trails, if you will, for lack of a better word. It looked like a stream bed. <clears throat> and it, I thought it looked great, and I would concur with your uh, uh, assessment that it, it gives some dynamics as opposed to small rubble where it, it, from a distance it looks almost like it's flat, like it's concrete necessarily, colored concrete, whereas this was interesting to look at. And so um, that would be really the only comments I have. I just uh, commend you on a really good presentation. And the only other thing I think I would add is, you know, the last picture where we have the big boulder where it says Rancho Santa Margarita or may, may or may not have a, the logo, if you will, there's that directional sign, um, which is, I'm not sure how much we can do with that. I think that's not really our purview, but it's pretty darned ugly. I would hope that the rock, if you will, the welcome to Rancho Santa Margarita decorative stone would come before that sign. Otherwise, it, it looks pretty ugly. Um, um, I'm not <laughs> sure how much leeway we have in doing that, um, but um, that's the only real comment I have. How about you agree? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Comments from council members. Can you place a, a directional sign, like Welcome to Rancho Santa Margarita, or a marker in front of the two stilts that are have the uh, directional signage? We can have our traffic engineer review that and see if it complies with all the uh, municipal codes or not municipal codes, I'm sorry, MUTCD. Yeah, interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much. Councilmember Holloway? Thank you. Yes, I can sir. tell you look like you're gearing up. You're taking, taking know, a big breath I'm in there. gearing down mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for this presentation, very detailed, and, and answering my questions earlier today um, to staff. I have concerns about this, and I just want to voice them. Um, a, a question first. The 258000 for the... Um, the cost estimate, and then I should know this. Any of that being shared by Caltrans? We're footing that that bill, okay. And then, what after this happens? Are they are they what are they putting in to this? Uh, they have agreed to um, assist with some of the irrigation. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So the existing water meter, they're going to allow us to use that, and that'll save us approximately ten thousand dollars in installation costs of a new meter, and then ongoing monthly water costs. They've agreed also to pay that, so the city wouldn't. Even though we use very minimal water with an existing meter, you're still going to get a sixty, seventy dollar bill, even if you almost use no water. So that's ongoing costs that we'll also be saving. Oh, so they're going to pay for the irrigation increase and the water. They're wow, gonna, okay. Are they going to pay for all the irrigation? I mean, not the irrigation, but they're going to allow us to hook up to their existing water meter, and then they're going to allow us, or they're going to pay the monthly water bills. Okay. But we would be responsible for maintaining the irrigation system that we install or that we modify. Okay. If, um, if if I may, uh, there was one more uh, comment with regard to the type of irrigation. Caltrans doesn't allow drip irrigation within their purview, even though it's going to be maintained by the uh, city. If it ever went back to uh, Caltrans, the irrigation would need to go back to traditional spray if if we did opt for drip mm -hmm. so that's another mm -hmm. um, reason to maintain the um, status quo okay 
<clears throat> you know, my, my original thought here was, you know, we're, when you drive, I, don't, I rarely go on the toll road there. I can't tell you the last time I looked in that direction, only when I'm getting off. And my initial thought with this was, you know, you go, if you're driving and you don't have to stop, you know, you're pretty much not really looking at more than about, you know, two seconds of that side of the road. Unless you're stopped there, then you might look over to your right. Um, I had not envisioned this kind of cost, although I understand why the numbers are there. I think it's, it's too much of a cost for the visibility of it and the people seeing it. Um, I, I, my thoughts initially were um, more succulents, more rocks, less, less cost, still looking good, a good look to it, but not this many additional landscape items. Um, I, I, think, I think it's just too much for what the cost is. I understand that's the cost, it is what it is. So um, it would be hard for me to support this particular proposal based on these numbers. Um, I, I just don't think it, it's worth it at this point. Um, it's a lot of money, the ongoing cost. It's roughly $6,000 a year for, for maintenance at the $500, you know, $500 a month, give or take. That's just, again, that's, an on, that's a burden that I don't know that would be the payoff would be there. And I, I, I can't speak to the other side because I don't really know how, that, how visual that is when you're driving onto the toll road. I, I can't, I'm really only speaking to the exit side right now because I don't, I don't go that way. Uh, I, I may never have been on that side to look at it to say you might see it it be m more visual for our residents. I, I do like the you know the monument sign option. I just don't know what that would look like yet. I know we're still working through that. I think that would be very beneficial because when people are stopped, they're going to look they're going to look they don't necessarily look completely to their right, but if they're in the front, they're going to see that land. And I, I like the the um, uh, signage. But again, I think it's just a little excessive for the payoff, the visual payoff. Thank you very mm -hmm. much, Councilmember Holloway. Councilmember Beal. Thanks, ma'am. Madam Mayor. Um, in my opinion, the status quo is a complete eyesore. Uh, I fully support, um, just like we have done on other beautification projects through the city, uh, trying to beautify an area like this on the busiest street in our community. Um, we do that with the intention of and the expectation. This is a benefit to every resident and business owner. I think it increases civic pride. It can increase the fair market value of properties in general if the entire area is just nicely kept in not an eyesore. So I'm fully supportive of that. And just for point of clarification tonight, um, we're being asked to approve um, an amendment to the CIP for 2324 to drop this in. We are, would not be requesting tonight, although the construction estimates are here, we're not being asked to approve actual construction tonight. Is that correct? That's correct. And so that would come back to us at some other time. We'd have to put out a request for proposals for construction. We'd have an opportunity to talk about the details at that time. Yes. 
And when it comes to like the sign, were you needing or looking for any further direction tonight as to whether there's, the sign is rolled into this cost, but we don't have to make a final determination tonight as to size, design, um, logo versus words. I, we, do we I, need that tonight? I don't know. I don't know. I would ask our um, designer and our acting city engineer if we need that direction this evening. We can just we can just have the stone monument sign installed for now, and then as a separate project or maybe a separate side uh, side show, I guess um, we can then figure out if you guys want to have the metal sign fabricated. We got the cost estimate from MV Ornamento, who did our gate up front here. Yeah, yeah. So they um, they gave us a cost estimate on that, or we can come back later and find an engraver to come in and engrave the... I think I heard you earlier, you were saying the cost was pretty close, one versus another. Correct, yeah. yeah. I would say it's probably about $1,000 difference. Okay. Um, well, thank you once again for the presentation. I really like it. I think it's um, a great project, and I'm fully supportive. Councilmember Beal, do you prefer uh, the original uh, item or the... What do we call it? The original plus rock. We had the original one plus, and we had we have this new version tonight, original plus rock. Because I'm I'm thinking we need to give you some direction to go home with and do some work. So, initially, the first presentation had less rock. We brought more rock in an effort to try and reduce irrigation. cost and ir irrigation. So. Um, as long as we are not putting in a desert motif, which I don't see any indication that we are, I'm supportive of whichever. I, I could go either way. Very I, good. I do like the lush green, but uh, I, I'm It's not the hill you're going to die on. Yeah, and yeah. as far as the color of the rock, uh, I support what uh, the mayor pro tem had to say. Excellent. Thank you so much. Council Member Holloway. Okay. Mayor pro tem. Ready to vote. Okay. A couple of quick questions. I'll be fast. The budget that we have here, I seem to recall that was based on the, the um, preceding page for this presentation, the budget. which has more, more, more plant material. That one? Yeah. The budget is based off of the modified, the oh. proposed design that we're proposing to move forward with the final design is the modified which has the rocks in it very good thank you very much thanks for the clarification so i can tell you that i like the rocks i agree with council member beale i don't want this to look like arizona um, i like the randomness of the plant material throughout the rock uh, i like the idea of having the rock because it's more um, cost-efficient for us for irrigation. I also think it's a little friendlier toward bicycles that may be on that portion of the sidewalk. I think it's important for people that are coming into the community, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, to have some marker to know where you are. So I like the idea of a monument sign on the right. I'm more in a fan because you're entering the city on the right-hand side of this project to have the name of the city you know, subtly because
people that come visiting here, they may not know they're in Rancho, or they may be heading to Lake Forest and they got off at the wrong, the wrong exit. I'm not that much in favor of having a monument sign with Rancho Santa Margarita as you get onto the toll road, because if you don't know where you are, I can't help you. And I'm not sure the taxpayer should spend another big wad of money to help you. So I'm thinking, you know, if we had, if you're planning on some sort of monument there, that's the place I would put the metal um, signage with the city seal on it, just for decor or not. But I don't think it's necessary to have a naming uh, element there because you know you're in Rancho. You're, you're actually leaving. Um, I'm more a fan of the, the rock just because I think it just gives a different textural feel and I'll attract your attention to some of the recent corners that have been done actually in the business park where they've got um, some more succulents there. Um, and uh, I think they're using decomposed granite, which I'm not a fan of for this project. And lastly, is there a way to incorporate succulents per Councilmember Holloway into this design theme? You know, merely picking a plant off this and maybe replacing it with something more uh, drought tolerant and water resistant. Uh, the Hesperallo um, is, that's what was gonna be sprinkled uh, mm -hmm. within the rock. Mm -hmm. That would be a succulent. The red red yucca, a oh, red yucca. Okay. Yes. Because I've got the I've got the, the you've got the fancy name, the Latin Sorry. name. <laughs> I've got it in English, red yucca. Um, well, that's very attractive. Yeah, it has a beautiful rock. long long bloom. Yeah. And how long does that bloom? Uh, it would bloom for you know maybe a couple of months, you know, mm -hmm. and then it has the year round you know appeal with a. Um, the succulent leaves. Quick question for staff. You may not have the answer. So, you know, if you don't, just let me know. What's the intended funding source for this? A general fund reserves. Very good. Thank you. We could use road funds, could we not? Restricted funds? I, I don't know. I don't have that answer. I don't know if uh, Mr. Wayne has that answer. Okay. Please don't feel like you need to guess, but I'm saying, you know, for those that are listening, we have funds that come into the city that are part of our uh, gasoline tax. They're restricted uh, for use on road projects, road and street projects. This is a corner beautification project, may qualify for that. Um, restricted funds are just that, they're highly restrictive. So um, if we could use restricted funds to fund this, I think it would be more palatable than general funds. And, and we can definitely look at that. Mm -hmm. Typically, when we are developing the budget and the use of those funds, there are a lot of road projects that we um, have in the city, mm -hmm. and it would, because they're limited, yes. it, it would just be moving money from one project to another, and we would still have the, the overall amount that we would need to spend. Right. So just something to keep in mind. I know. I know we do our ADA curb ramps, our slurry seal projects, you know, our, our, our you know, scrape and reseal. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm fine with that. Do I have, do you need a motion to approve the contract extension? I'm not sure. Did 
Did yes. we get your preference on the uh, rock color? Red. The reddish one. Okay, Sorry. thank I, you. I like that one very much. And thank you. Thanks for asking. And Councilmember Holloway, do you have a preference? That's not as good okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's unanimous. Wow. This is the first time in decades I've seen a unanimous, you know, project, you know, with choice. A motion and a second? Seeking a motion. I move the item. Very good. For design, the updated design. Right. Okay, very good. Can I ask one clarification, please? You sure it, can. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Is it is it okay if we move forward with the engraved lettering for the exit, and that way we can just go ahead and plan for that? Council members? In so lieu of a... The monument sign yeah. engraving? Yeah, instead of the metal fabricated, just the engraved lettering. Is that okay to move forward with that as part of the final design? In lieu of the metal city seal. That's fine with me. Okay. May I, just from a, when I looked at the uh, the imagery that <laughs> Tree had uh, you know created, um, you could actually incorporate both. Um, so you know, I think during the design development, um, is we actually have to find a boulder flat. It's flat and, face, Jeff. And yeah. um, I think you could incorporate both. You know, rather than. It feels like the top one is a little lonely, and the bottom one would be hard to understand. It's a little crowded, where, where right? Going yeah. in, but I think many cities, uh, their entry monument, they they do have their seal as part of the um, the name of the city. So I I would advocate for both. <laughs> well, we're happy to rely on your artistic talents to lead us through that. And just one one last clarification, sure. please. There is only one stone monument sign, and it's proposed for the exit. There is no stone monument sign proposed for the entrance. I didn't Correct. see one, but I'm, I'm good with that. Okay. Very good. Great. Any further questions? We have a motion and a second. Do we have a second? I have a motion. Brad. Mm -hmm. I think Councilmember Beal just second. Councilmember Beal second. All those in favor, say aye. Aye. Those opposed? No. Very good. Thank you very much. Lovely presentation. You did a fine job. Thank you. Thank you very Thank you. much. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. We're on item number nine, public comments. This is the second time to address the city council on any matter not listed on the agenda. Do I have any requests to speak? There are none. Thank you very much. Item number 10, city manager report. I have nothing further this evening. Thank you. Thank you. Item number 11, matters presented by the mayor and council members. I'll start to my right tonight. Council member Beal. Nothing tonight. Nothing tonight. Council member Holloway. Just one quick thing. Um, I, I do agree with that the, uh, those areas we just talked about are eyesores, no doubt. It was just the, the uh, Increased uh, vegetation and the and the ongoing cost and the irrigation that were of a concern to me. So um, definitely eyesores that need something. Other than that, that's it. Thank you very much, Councilmember Holloway, Mayor Pro Tem McGurr. Nothing to add tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Just a quick uh, comment from me. I had the pleasure on Saturday of attending the Little League opening ceremonies with Councilmember. I'm sorry, Mayor Pro Tem McGurr. 
and we had our shirts. We both, without coordinating, you know, both had our uh, Western Region Championship shirts on that uh, Wendy Reddington made for us from the, I think it was 2017, a year when our 12-year-olds went to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And I think the turnout was just astounding with the, you know, the families and all the children of all ages at Teharis Creek. They were kind enough to uh, allow the Little League to conduct the ceremony on their parking lot because uh, the fields were a little smushy and wet, and so we really appreciate that. It was just a really lovely day. Had a great time with you uh, addressing the kids, and um, we're ready here in Rancho to play ball. Uh, with that, uh, I think we'll be agending this city council meeting to our next council meeting, which will be held right here at uh, City Hall on Wednesday, March 13th at 7 p.m. Thank you very much.